Hello, I am the instructor from Groundlings. Forget all other podcasts, they will not help you. Step 1. Listen to the map report. Good. Step 2. Laugh. Good. Now it's funny. Left my home back in Omaha See if I can make it out in the world And I got as far as Wichita Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore Lost all my friends in Los Angeles I'm not welcome in New York But I must stop back in Omaha Where the fans, they always crying out for All right, in that case, welcome to Met Report number 90, September 21st, 2007. What's up, everyone out there? MEP listeners, what is up? MEP recorders, MEP people, what's going on? MEP, MEP types. That was to that they could respond right there. If we had an orchestra (laughs) in the background made up solely of recorders, that would be awesome. Um, Welcome to the MEP report. (laughs) (laughs) That came for the recesses of Russ's tired brain. I think that would be actually... Russ has not been able to sleep lately, you know. You said MEP recorders! I suppose, yes. I'm trying to do my mic the way that Russ did it when he was here. He did it all like fancy, like he was in a real oh, studio. Oh, I did that mic. Oh, blam. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, God. Wah, 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 I was so in love with your studio. <laughs> I, uh, Terrible. I want to apologize. I haven't slept in like three days. I just now got what? home from work. I literally now explain, I was telling why is this? earlier. Why ha- you just forgotten like how to up, sleep, you said? Before I explain this, I woke up at like three in the morning and i was like well i'm up i guess i'll go to work so i went to work at six in the morning and then i've just been there doing nothing but it's uh why can't i sleep i don't know it's just uh my brain i mean i've had this problem over the years that the brain won't turn off and you just right. think and think and think and think right and you're think stressed and, think and then you don't sleep it's not necessarily stress though it's uh-huh. just things are interesting and brain's like, well, no, this is interesting. I don't. Yeah. I don't what are you thinking down. about? I have stuff to do. What are you well, thinking about? Well, I mean, yes. Like currently, there are uh, things that could be right. construed as stressful, uh-huh. like <laughs> nine million women and each is unique situation in relation to me, uh-huh. and the move to New York, whether it's going to happen or not. Right. And it will like, happen. What Think am I positive. doing with my life? And right. When can I remove the blue background from the Met Report homepage <laughs> now that I'm controlling it? All these things are uh, swimming around. Right. Interesting. Yeah. But then other things, too, like crazy random things. God, I had this great thought that just flew out of my head. Some reaction to the future, something. You'll oh, remember man, it in a dream bug me. whenever you sleep. Damn it. Several years from now. At those moments. Some crazy dreams, too. <laughs> Completely insane. I often dream in surrealistic sci-fi movie plots. Which I'm really is, stunned uh, by that, by the way. That's just so shocking that you would actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and during the, the dream, I'll be like, wow, this is the most fascinating movie ever. And then I'll wake up and it was like, well, it was, there was a starfish, but he was sentient, <laughs> and 
he was trying to take over like Rhode Island through a network marketing scheme, and like that didn't really make sense. <laughs> awesome. It's true. Like I often find that dreams are very disappointing in that way. They get, they can be both positive and negative because you're having sometimes this awful dream, right? Where you know, wait, I've lost my job, and my friends hate me, and my wife has left me, and I'm alt, and you wake up, you're like, oh, okay, thankfully none of that has happened, and it's all crazy. But then the opposite often happens, where you're like, yes, and for me, it's always like I've gotten the coolest thing ever. Like I have this ray gun that destroys people <laughs> and makes them tell the was. truth that causes them to give me money and rescues innocents and destroys guilty. And and then I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't have that ray gun. Shoot, you know. And there's it's the most disappointing thing because like, what am I gonna do? Like, you know, remember it in my head and say, just describe it to a scientist. Can you make a ray gun that did what it did in my dream when it did this? Like, it kind of, uh, you know, I can't do that. So dreams have a kind of basic disappointment level for me a lot of times. Well, I think even if you do, honey, it, it might not actually work out because the technology worked out in your dream because it was a dream. Well, that's what I'm saying. Right. But at least if I had like a schematic, like if I dreamed in schematics, <clears throat> then I could at least, you know, show people and they'd be like, right. sir, a piece of chewing gum attached to a toilet paper roll is not yeah. the basis of a ray gun. You know? Oh, that's like the flux capacitor. Right. Another fiction. Lux capacitor. dream. Yeah, I guess, well, I guess that's true. But Is it know. a dream when you get knocked out and you're in kind of like a little, little mini coma state? Is oh, that a dream? That's a good question. When you're unconscious? Um, I think is that you called dream a dream when you're unconscious. Yeah, but do they refer I mean, to those the as same, dreams? it's the same, ostensibly. I think uh, so. Okay. I mean, that's, actually, it's a very good question. Clinically, I mean, what else would you call it if you start, if imagery comes into your right, head? Right, right, I guess it's... Like, what else, what else can you call that? You can yeah. call it, like, unconscious hallucination or, like, uh, you know, comatose vision visualizations. Like, I think it's just dreaming. So when a boxer hits the canvas after being knocked out, he's in the process of dreaming? Theoretically? If he has images. Yeah, like images. in the movie uh, Snatch, when Brad Pitt plays the bare-knuckle piker boxer, and uh, he gets smoked by this guy whose uppercut literally lifts him off the canvas, like, three feet, and then he pictures himself falling into like a lake and he's like swimming out of the lake to try to get up i guess that's a dream See, as opposed to a i think the is- his the con- brain got detached right i think the issue is in the definition of dream it says images ideas blah blah, blah occurring during the stage of sleep right so mm-hmm. would you consider yourself asleep if you're in a coma um, different kind of sleep. It's uh, it's, forced, it's the you know. So you're saying the yes. forced stage of sleep, <laughs> where you are forced into sleep <laughs> involuntarily. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're similar. Like normal sleep is just the brain reorganizing memories and like healing and doing all that stuff. And sort of obligatory sleep that comes when you know you get knocked unconscious is because the brain shuts down, thinking that whatever activity you're doing is too dangerous to be conscious, so it not, tries to knock you out to, you know, recuperate and mm-hmm. readdress the situation. Well, like, I mean... Um, you know in that movie, uh, A Million Dollar Baby, when Morgan Freeman is doing... or It's either Freeman or uh, Clint Eastwood. They're doing the narration of, like, what, how, what your brain thinks as you get hit by a knockout punch. is like, and then once your jaw goes a little bit too far, your brain says... You know, I don't like what you're doing. Why don't we sleep on this for a while? <laughs> you go to you go to sleep. Right, right. That that sort of I like that description, <clears throat> although really not. Um, yeah. So it, yeah. So it <laughs> says sleep is a state of inactivity resembling or suggesting sleep unconsciousness. So I think yeah, I think that if you're in a coma, it could be considered okay. a form of sleep. But I mean, I think that you know, it's interesting though when you were bringing that stuff up about dreaming. 
I think that um, sort of the human relationship to sleep has always been a very contentious one because you have a big segment of the population that doesn't like sleep. Like Clea's father, for example, thinks that sleep is a waste of time and he tries to do it as little as possible mm-hmm. because he thinks, you know, when you're asleep, you can't be doing anything yeah. else. There are other Unnamed people who really... Unnamed reporter agrees y- with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a lot of cases, there is another segment of the population that finds that that's the most enjoyable part of the day, if you will, for them. This kind of, you know, lying down to rest and actually just sort of giving oneself up to consciousness or to unconsciousness. And I don't know. I mean, I think that I can understand the idea that that, that sleep in some ways is wasteful. But I think if, if you sleep the right way, um, which is kind of bizarre, how do you sleep the right way? But if you're if you're sleeping, you can have productive sleep where you wake up, not only feel refreshed, but maybe even have had something come to you at night that you wouldn't have had come to you otherwise. I've had a couple songs come to me where I don't think I dreamed the whole song, but I woke up and there was a phrase or an idea that I wanted to build on in a dream. So mm-hmm. it, it can work. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a physiological basis for that, which is that the brain will actually replay events of the previous day while you're sleeping right. um, to basically try to problem solve. Like, if you do something repetitively enough, then you'll start seeing it when you close your eyes and go to sleep because the brain's actually working out things in the unconscious for you that you were trying to work out in your conscious mind and it's right 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 like more efficient while you're sleeping i love these uh, uh these interpretation websites you see these sometimes where people are post like i had this dr- i saw one the other day where they're like I, I i had this dream where i went and I, and I killed someone and i killed my dog and i killed a bunch of people does this mean that i'm violent am i dangerous and it was um it was deepak chopra you know our favorite on there who's re- he's like normally this does not refer to that uh, normally this is referring to some trauma or complexity of something or other you're dealing with your life but it generally doesn't deal with these specific events and then he signs it off with have a blessed day but i had this image was like have a blessed day please back away from the dagger or the gun or whatever you're holding right now because really you are a little bit violent it's a little bit disturbing but uh, apparently it was deepak chopra's dream oh yeah <laughs> and then i killed someone dog, <laughs> exactly and then wouldn't but, listen to my philosophy so i gouged his eyes out but i felt a little bad that, that he couldn't be more specific other than to just say well generally you know in, it doesn't refer to individual situations like your particular situation isn't referred to well when you're an, analyzing a dream your first question is supposed to be what, how did you feel about the dream of the person that dreamt hmm. it how did you feel when you woke up how did you feel during it and then what do you think about it what did you think about it during it so if you feel exhilarated like, that was great when I stabbed him. That's a problem. <laughs> Possibly. How did you feel when he woke up? <laughs> Less exhilarated that I didn't stop the dagger. I still don't have the dagger. Oh, no. Don't have the ray gun. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, I mean, it, it certainly is interesting that we've had this kind of a connection with sleep, which is, I mean, that's got to be the oldest process that exists, right? I mean, older than, you know, as old as eating or anything else, we've been sleeping and presumably dreaming. So, When I was um, around 15, I was obsessed with this technique called alpha wave meditation mm-hmm. which supposedly was a specific kind of meditation that brought your brain to rest right. in some kind of semi quasi sleep state that mm-hmm. would allow you to just do that you could just meditate for like 90 minutes and then you don't need to sleep and i was right. like if i can learn this then i can be lazy more hours of the day and be <laughs> even less productive because i won't even have to sleep i'll just sit there and play video games for 23 hours a day it's gonna be great Okay. But yeah, I was convinced that, you know, if you, if I did this and learned this technique, and supposedly there are, you know, lots of products like headphones so how did you, with Yeah, how did you try? How did you do it? With lights. 
I didn't ever do it. I just read oh, about it. You just like, thought this it, would okay. be cool. I didn't remember the lazy part. This is where I don't actually <laughs> oh, right. learn like the. the <laughs> I'm going to meditate on trying to meditate on like, doing that. This yeah. is going to be cool. And then I'm going to be an astronaut, and then I'm also going to win the World Series. Right. The same year. Well, yeah. the truth is, the Pitching. reason you didn't do it, and Russ, is because hitting. you didn't have the right soundtrack. Because I just looked this up, and you actually need to have alpha wave music, which is specifically designed to um, cause your brain to you know, synchronize with alpha waves and basically allow you mm-hmm. to enter alpha wave meditation to a much greater degree. It says mm-hmm. the brain can easily be inspired to produce alpha waves through external sources such as music. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but I've heard some of your music choices. And South American techno trance is not likely to lead to alpha wave (laughs) meditation. It leads to beta wave meditation, which means this music is very Uh, stimulating and not sleep-inducing at all. Yeah. So is is this the same thing? This may be the first project on the Internet that I've ever researched in my life. Like something that came exclusively from the Internet that I learned about that Mm -hmm. I had no knowledge of elsewhere. First thing ever. Okay. That was back in like 95 when I first got my computer. Like this is what I've always wanted to know. How do you not sleep <laughs> on the internet? I see. And this is the one where they have you could put goggles on and there are little red lights that flash that's exactly on and off. Exactly right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what that is. Yeah, it it, it can also lead. Where you can sit on and. Yeah, it can also lead to people having lucid dreams. That's another utilization of alpha wave. Technology. Mm-hmm. Although if it's done wrong, they have Lucy dreams, where they have this tendency to think about Lucille Ball, and they mm-hmm. replay I Love Lucy over in their heads over and over again, which is disturbing. Right. You Lucy? don't want that. <laughs> but that only um, happened in my studies. I've had some lucid dreams before. I mean, yeah. they've been rare. I think I was a teenager a few times. and You've been a teenager a few times? <laughs> In my dream. That was yes, I'm like, I'm a teenager. Crazy, oh, that's the third Russell time teenager. this week I've been a teenager. <laughs> I wish when I could I have been a teenager only a few times. Would that have been great if I you could have know. been a teenager I know. For me, it was sort times. of a combined continual pattern. <laughs> I am Deepak Chopra. This is my seventh reincarnation as an older than teenager person. But, but uh, see, I would think this would be the kind of thing you would have pursued actively, no. I mean, th- I can't imagine you being lazy about oh, this because it would be all this, you know. Well, actively from a chair and a, and a, a desk, <laughs> and I guess. a desk, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of research. I dream all the time. Mm-hmm. I tried to train myself. Like, every time you're dreaming, say, I know I'm dreaming. Now it's time to be God in my own brain. And this will be my world that I create with uh-huh. every thought. But that never really happened. It was just sort of like I was paralyzed in the middle of a field uh-huh. and like a brigade of horses were stampeding towards me uh-huh. and i look up and i can't get up and i'm like wait wait it's a dream wake up wake up wake up and then i woke up that was one time no you're supposed to say this is a dream. a dream that sounds like the opening scene and of then Dances how wolves dude yeah, you're supposed to not say wake <laughs> up you're supposed to say okay now those horses are going to be you know gorgeous women and uh. instead of a field, this is going to be like whoop, 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 like a, a bed with a bunch of pillows. You're supposed hey, to like. Let's I get it, it all. Look, when when Ow! somebody has a gun to your head, you just look for the quickest out. You're not like, how can I turn this gun into world peace? If I have a conversation with this man and we can find his family, then it turns out they're diplomats from Kazakhstan, and we will all. No, you're just like must leave preservation. Yeah. Wake up. I'm basically able to get out of dreams now that I don't like. Um, so there's that part of it. I haven't really gotten to the point where I can then 
you know, turn the horses into, you know, beautiful flowers. And then, you know, I, like I can't, I, there's only, there are limits to what I can do. I can basically exit the dream and that's pretty much all I can do. But if it's a bad dream, exiting the dream is a significant power. So yeah. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to undercut yeah. it, but I can basically, you know, generally do that. My father, you know, people talked about not remembering dreams and, and there are times when people wake up and you, or you wake up and you don't remember some parts of it, but there are parts where, I mean, my father used to say he could never remember anything that he dreamed. He'd just wake up and he had no clue. And I certainly remember some parts that's of good. what I dream. You know, good sleeper. Well, no, that's good not sleeper. good. Not necessarily, because you can dreams can be useful too. You know, I mean, just supposedly you, you're only able to remember a dream when you wake up in the middle of part of it. So if you sleep through the night perfectly and you perfectly gradually go back into your alpha wave state, then you technically shouldn't really remember dreams. Well, that's, so what, that's what Samuel what Taylor Coleridge said. He slept really well. You know, Coleridge said that. Which is what? Coleridge, when he wrote he? his famous poem, Kubla Khan, sure. Uh, the problem, he was waking up out of an opium dream, but otherwise, <laughs> it was exactly the same thing. And this guy knocked on the door in the middle of having this dream, and he went to answer the door, and when he came back, he had forgotten everything about it. But that's why that poem, which is, you know, in Xanadu, a stately pleasure dome, the, you know, did Kubla Khan decree, and then there's all this stuff about banshees and, you know, wailing women and all this stuff. And he woke up, and that's why the dream made, he said that's why the poem made no sense, because at the end of it, you know, he had, he had he had a conclusion that would have tied this all together but he got interrupted so he never finished it and he actually called it a fragment of a dream is the subtitle of that poem so interesting this literary moment brought to you by okay yeah so that's the mep report (laughs) so i don't know the mep report i think is the kind of thing that it can this can this show has kind of a dreamlike quality to it sometimes don't you think do you think we can Very help people so. get loose, to an alpha wave? Loose association. <laughs> right. I think th- this is a lucid. Our best shows are like lucid shows. Surreal. Right? Lucid dreams. Very surreal. People are like, I must wake up. It's I always must wake up. Very self-involved. It's like whatever events happen to us that week is what we end up mapping about, which is similar to how you dream. Right. Very similar. Yeah. Okay. I can usually do that. I can be like, okay, so I was watching, you know, Deadwood, and so Al Swearingen was like the rocket ship commander in my dream, and then also <laughs> this was on TV, and I met this guy last week who showed up here, and I can usually do that for like 90% of the dream. <laughs> Pick out each thing, say yes. So you never have anyone random, you never have anybody random, like all of a sudden Jaja Gabor Gabor showed up and she was like dressed as a, she was dressed like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You don't, you don't ever have random stuff like that. It just occurs. Hey, who's been reading my blog? (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Dear diary, today Jaja Gabor showed up as a, you know, as Arnold Schwarzenegger carrying a pasta machine. What do you think it means? Military fatigues. She was draped in guns. (laughs) Draped in guns. And muscles. I I think, I think, um... (laughs) S- Stallone when I think of that oh like Rambo yeah type of mm-hmm. mm, I see yeah actually have you heard about this that uh, I was reading an article that said that um, politicians have the neocons have been trying to Ramboify is the term the war and basically the idea is to make the Iraq war into kind of like a Ramboish Vietnam fantasy where it becomes you know leave no man behind if we pull back now then we're just giving in and all that you know you've heard all this stuff about like no retreat no surrender but they're literally trying to put it into these kind of Ramboish terms and they're using it as an example of what happened this week with the security firm Blackwater which you know got in and basically caused all this death and destruction and they say it's because they got fired on the civilians say it's because they fired 
fired because they wanted to move traffic, which I think that's an effective, if I can just say for tangent, that's an effective way of clearing traffic, is firing missiles above the heads of the traffic. Like, well, if you want to move people out of the way, Dad always said he wished he had, like, a fire missile Oh, yeah, that's more effective than a car. siren or anything like that. But anyway, so that's Did what they said. Did you say Vietnam fantasy? Yeah, because that's what Rambo is, you know. <clears throat> I mean, Rambo is basically this whole Vietnam fantasy thing. Same thing with Chuck, same thing with any of the Chuck Norris, what are those movies called? The... Um, oh yeah. What are they? The Prisoner of War. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Those deals. P O W. Yeah. Did they name like P O W one two three or something? I think they might have been. Yeah. Something like that. But that's basically the idea, and they want to Ramboify the war. That's the theory. So I don't know if you guys think that's that's logical, or if it makes sense, or or not. Or oh my God, Chuck Norris is 67. Holy cow! <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> That's crazy. Wow, that's How old are we? Are we like 50? <laughs> he can't be 60. Holy cow, we're in our 30s? Yeah. Um, There's, that's a picture. Go up. That's a picture it. of him in 1970. Oh, missing in action. Six. That's what it is. Missing in action, missing in action, missing too. Missing in action. Okay. That's what you want, yeah. That's when I was born. Yep. yep. So. They, uh, Rambo uh, There's the a world. great article this week in Salon.com, <laughs> which is about Bush's last attempt to sort of just re-justify the war. And, uh basically talks about how I want to get the words right so I'm trying to bring up the article but it was something to the effect of like decadent mismanagement or he's just becoming in, he's like becoming a um, you know that guy oh boy here we go with the no sleep can't think brain think brain the guy for the, the, the you know the crazy guy from that story from the emperor who went nuts and had people screwing horses and um. made all the <laughs> Wives of the Senate into whores. You know that guy. Um. Come on. Who's the crazy emperor? Who's the crazy Caesar? What's his name? The totally insane. Oh, uh, oh, Come on. Nero. Nero? Nero, you mean? No. Oh. No, no. no. The, the fictional. Oh, fictional. I mean, he, it was based in reality, but also a famous story about the... God damn it. <laughs> Wake up, dream! Wake up! Wake up! Here come the horses! It's that you know. Okay. Anyway, the article says. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The president has entered a phase of decadent perversity. Decadent perversity. Stairway to paradise by Caligula. Is that here for you? Caligula. It's really a great insider's perspective into like. Thank you, Caligula. There you go. Thank you. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's entering his Caligula phase because uh, everything is not working out. So he's like talking about a moth. He's entering his Caligula phase. But I thought you said <laughs> fake, not real. That's a real emperor. Well, real, but then it was also fictionalized <laughs> later on. Yes, because it's made into a movie with Playboy models, but that's not really that's not the issue here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, starring... Uh, I actually have that. What? I have well, that I'm movie on again, DVD. For the second time, I'd like to claim how shocked I am that you own Caligula. That's so out of character for you, really. Yeah. Plays Caligula. Oh it was like he was he in does. a clockwork orange. That's awesome. And then nobody could think of any other actor who could possibly be when they were like, we're making Caligula. Well, I guess we'll have to get Malcolm McDowell again. I see. I see. Since he was a clockwork orange guy. Um, so uh, That was a really bad movie, by the way. Don't yeah. ever watch it. Unless you're really high. Well, you that have to be really high. Like, smoke all of the weed that you and your friends have before attempting to watch this movie. But that, make it interesting. That was always the Otherwise, one that was no. in the back. That was always in the back room of the uh, video store. You know, when they had the thing with little sheet, this little, um, you know, the screen over it yeah, that you had to like open to go into there and straight. Yeah. Oh yeah, and straight up, you know, <laughs> Gore Vidal wrote that and everything. No. So yeah. 
This was actually, this was the selection of the Princess of Power when she came out here and we wanted to buy a few movies to watch. So she's like, I really want to see Caligula. That's <laughs> so, so we bought it, sight unseen. Peter O'Toole is in that. And we watched it that night. Yeah, it was like a oh. very, very Peter O'Toole has been in so many movies that were awful. Drunken Celebration and Peter O'Toole, what a shock. I really, next you're going to tell me that uh, Malcolm McDowell went on to a life of playing villains. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, but, but that's always was kind of that area. I always felt a little bit vaguely nervous about even just walking into a, a video store where they had that room back there. Because, you know, as a teenage boy, I was always like, you know, <laughs> I wonder what's the back there. Yeah, it's always like, you know, even when I got older, like when I got old enough that I could have gone there, you know, freely, I always felt a little bit like, am I going to be allowed in here? Sir, you know you can't go in there. Once 16, always 16. You know, like, I mean, I could have gone there whenever I wanted. Only for but real adults. Exactly. You can't ever have been a child. Don't yeah. you know that? That, if that you because you. you'll remember that immediately. And so I always had I always felt a little bit you know bad about that. Plus I always wondered who I was going to find back there. I think in my mind's eye I always had this image that people who hung out in the adult section of video stores were these people that never really left that room. You know they never even watched the movie. Like they just kind of stayed there. Trench and, coats on. Yeah. Who were really shady. Right. They would. No, they're wearing nothing underneath their trench coat. They're like flashing people and walking into dirty bookstores. Like, right. But they never like actually cold. had and they never actually watched the movie. They just kind of, you know, ogled the, you know, the video covers and sort of looked at you when you yeah. came in. Oh. They're like, oh. You like naked people, do you? <laughs> what about this? Exactly. You don't have to pay for that. Exactly. So I was always nervous yeah. about that. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've done that many times. Yep. Absolutely. It's a good time. It's got a 4.7 out of 10. Well, this was kind of like the showgirl. 7,765 votes. Yeah, it wasn't very good. It's horrible. We do, and you definitely, you know, I don't. We don't want to get into another movie review thing uh, this week, but the I I was thinking about how it basically was like the showgirls of its era. You know, it was basically just as bad as that. It was the worst thing. <laughs> so that's what you're comparing it. The one thing is Well, Showgirls is my baseline for the worst movie, movie ever. So oh, it I is. always put that at as kind of the lowest of the low. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like though in the in the 70s, especially in the early 80s, they were way more experimental with what they would release as a major motion picture. Uh-huh. And now everything is so cookie cutter and has to be approved by the studio, and it's a bunch of chicken shit stuff. So I really do sort of pine for the days of the 70s when you could make any movie that sounded good. Uh huh. And uh, just throw it out there. Well, you could you still know. make independent ones, right? I mean, you could still have independent uh, films that sort of accomplish the same thing, no? No, they all suck and are corrupted <laughs> really? by the studios as soon as they buy them. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. I mean, I guess. I guess they can be good. It's just, I don't know. I feel like the golden days of movies long past us. <laughs> long since past. They left us behind a lot. Um, all right. Hmm, I see. Speaking of strange apocalyptic fantasies... I uh, okay. was very bored at work today on my one and a half hours of sleep. Yes. And so one of my hobbies at work, since we have the internet browser with the blocking software so I can't go to any good websites, is I will type in random words like www.bananafoot.com, www.perchance.com, www.slimemold.com, and just to see whether it's a website, whether it exists, uh-huh. if it's registered and what it is. Okay. And today I typed in www.baloney.com, and I got like one of the most interesting websites I've ever found. It's a tech blog that is not ranked by Alexa, like nobody reads it. But it's brilliant. It has all of this great news that I've never read about that is like beyond the world of Dig, where most of my tech news would come from, or Wired, or all these other nerdy websites that I read. And there was a story in there about, this happened about a week ago, some scientist 
who was working on some other project having to do with radio waves, apparently figured out a way to ignite seawater. I talked about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I it's a new form of uh, yeah. uh, energy. Yeah, or I mean, I talked about it on the show. I may have talked about it maybe on, on UFR or something. Yeah, that, that you can ignite, um, and the, the basic thought is that's great because we have lots of seawater. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, on the one hand, it seems like a great alternative energy source. On the other hand, I can also envision like an apocalyptic scenario <laughs> where all the seas of the world yep. are on fire. Yep, yep, yep. Because somebody <laughs> unleashed this technology yeah. and it's like, okay. This is the apocalypse. The seas boiled and the sun went <laughs> black and the dead rose from the grave. It is Great. true. Like, you have this Fantastic. image that it's the beginning of every bad end of, end of the world scenario ever, right? Like, I mean, in a movie anyway, that, you know, yeah, you just turn it into it. It yeah. Cat's Cradle. It's like Ice Nine, except it's fire. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just something that will <laughs> destroy the world. This will be a great idea. No more oceans. Well, you know, it's funny. If you, if you watch some of these, if you think of some of these movies like Deep Core, where their basic theory is like, well, we can really do damage to other people in the world if we, you know, had these ships go deep underground and attack people, and then that sort of disrupts the Earth's flow. And you're like, that's completely ridiculous. And then you think about it, and you're like, well, given other ideas that we've come up with in the past, it might not be ridiculous. Like, another example of what you were talking about are these nano is nanotechnology. I was reading a thing today about nanosilver, where they're using this stuff which is basically designed to coat the inside of like Tupperware things that you hold fruit in. And the idea is that supposedly nanosilver keeps the fruit pretty much like internally fresh. Like, not eternally, but it extends the life of fruit by something like five or six years. Like, you could keep fruit in these nanosilver coated things. And it's called nanosilver because it's nano, it's the size of nanoparticles. And so that's what you use to coat the inside of it. And it basically is completely and the problem is that no one has done enough research to see what happens when the body starts, you know, eating stuff that has been in contact with nanosilver. Like, what happens when we start eating things that have nanosilver on them? If there's any kind of vapor or things well, that come our, off of the nanosilver. Yeah. I'm sure our insides get preserved to all eternity. Yeah, what's the problem? While we fail to absorb the proper nutrients <laughs> and vitamins from the food that we're trying to eat, and we die slowly from the outside you will, in. You will digest never in the in the stomach of the nanosilver sarlacc, which will never digest you, and right. you'll never... But yes. your intestines will be perfectly uh, preserved forever. Yes, that'll be great. In a jar. <laughs> in well, a we, jar. We already have that with, like, table. preservatives, right? Isn't that like the... Well, yeah, if you, if you decays, have a bunch of Twinkies, yeah. Our corpses now last longer because of preservatives without decaying. But that's I wonder right. if that's as true with the decrease in preservative. No, that is. No, I'm saying you're exactly right. Like, because we eat more preservatives in our natural diet now, like, our corpses last longer than corpses did in previous centuries. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, I know that was true in the 80s and 90s, but I wonder with changes in technology and stuff if that's as true. Oh, how many... I don't know what the diminishing rate of return is on like <laughs> on corpse preservation consumption versus corpse mass autopsy. We need the MEP report <laughs> demands mass exhumations what and autopsies right now. Mass of preservative consumption versus corpse retention. Oh my god. Seven but you know what though? Three. That actually brings up an interesting point because it reminds me of sort of future thinking. Like they they were they've been talking about this whole thing with climate change and everything and how this has led to people thinking about alternative forms of energy again. And so they've started to go back to nuclear energy. Now, I still don't know why solar and wind and water energy doesn't continue to cross our minds as a real alternative, but leave that aside. So, nuclear energy, they're going back to, and they're like, and it's great because, you know, we have energy for thousands of years, and it's this, that, and the other. 
And I just keep thinking, but the waste, though. Why I mean, do the they waste, keep going back to it? Well, because they because now because it's clean allegedly because it doesn't produce carbon fuels. It doesn't produce you know it doesn't destroy the climate the environment. Well, it just because produces, it has an already built-in huge industry behind it. Why so, do we never right, learn our lessons? I know. I know, you would think so. We learn our lessons. Our lessons are greed and more for me and less for you and let's not plan for the future because that's not what we're about. <laughs> that's, I, mean, like, I see. That's what this is. So it's like that. This is why ethanol, this is why is our solution to the fossil fuel consumption is ethanol. We're going to use all of our corn and make fuel. <laughs> is that sustainable? No. How much corn would we need to run the entire U.S. fleet of cars on corn? Oh, like seven planets worth of corn. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Great. Let's make ethanol. Let's, let's make that happen. Well, you I know have what? Seven Actually, planets worth of corn <laughs> every six months. Nice. We call it Corntopia or something. Actually, you know what? They were talking about this in relation to cows eating corn because cows apparently don't consume corn very well. They're much better in consuming grass. And so they were. Scientists have started studying, and I, I really, I love the fact that there are scientists to study everything, including this. Yes. Apparently. Cows, I think most people or many people know that cows produce methane gas, but the traditional way that cows produce methane gas, or you might assume some produces methane gas, is not from the one end, if you will. It's actually from belching. And so apparently cows belch an incredible amount of methane gas into the atmosphere because of their diet. And so scientists have been trying to figure out, given the climate change situation, how to prevent this from happening. And they've decided decided if they start feeding them, I think, like garlic feed or something, that will cut in half. Nice. The amount of methane gas that they produce and all this stuff. But I just had this image of, can you imagine proposing this? Like, how do we stop the cow's bad breath from no, no, no. destroying the environment? <laughs> you hook up tubes to both ends of the cow, and then they run their own little power plant, right. and then we have extra energy. And, right. You know, who cares about it? We're already torturing the shit out of the cows. Yeah, so might as well get a little extra. Yeah, we'll them up to tubes. Yeah, but even, you know, cows who are just milk cows just hanging out on a farm in Vermont or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Those They're cows. already hooked. Yeah, think how many tubes a dairy cow's hooked up yeah. to already. Not talking so about tubes. What about an organic cow? And then you g- they got to go <laughs> in some town and, sometime cow. and get milked, Greg. What about an organic cow? Do you think all organic milk is hand-pumped, Greg? All right. What about a cow that delivers by itself its milk to the farmer? It's like here you go. I just That's produced this. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you okay. Are so ridiculous, Greg. Not every cow is tortured. Okay, just want to point that out. Okay, there will be. We'll allow a few tribes in the Amazon to like milk their own animals and get their own thing, but everyone else is hooked up to tubes. <laughs> okay. And powers the giant methane plant that uh, replaces. I see. Fossil fuels. But I mean, you know, this this is one thing. You're right. I mean, there's your energy source. I mean, you 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 use methane gas to you know it's to its positive advantage. That's fine. I can see how that could work. I have a question. Okay. What's the vegetarian's take on what do we do with cows? Because they know that there are too many cows. Uh-huh. You know, they're screwing up all the grasslands and creating all this extra methane gas. Right. Would the vegetarians tell us that we need to kill off, like, a huge segment of the cow population? No, or that you would like, stop having those farms. No, no, you well, just stop do having... Do we sterilize cows? What do we do? Yeah, just have cows stop You'd stop artificially producing... I mean, we're artificially producing a lot of these cows, so you would stop doing that. Okay. And the ones that are still alive, you know, you'd use until they die, and then... It's not like the cows are running around in the wild, you know, like, you know, getting it on. What if the cows want to reproduce, though? What if, what if you, like, you're PETA, so you let all the bulls free... And then they want to repopulate the earth with more cows. Uh-huh. Like, what do you do? Do you stop them? I mean, you're PETA. You care about what these bulls and cows think. Right. So <laughs> how do you restrict the, the bovine population? Um, what do you do? 
What's the PETA solution? Well, actually, they're the ones crying actually, no, what? about all this stuff. You know what, Russ? So what's their solution? I mean, you've heard PETA's solution what? to the pit bull problem. PETA's solution is that they ought to start euthanizing pit bulls. So there's a big controversy about that in the animal rights world. Yeah, PETA is, a good, is, not, a, oh, yeah. PETA is not a good example because, of because what their vegetarians or vegans they're, they're, would like. PETA is so extreme as to be ridiculous. They're like Earth First that thought AIDS was a good thing because it got rid of people off the planet. You know, like, you can't take them seriously. Like, the PETA's argument is that, like, the bull, the you know, the pit bulls, because they're untrainable, which is not true... Um, you know, just to save them from a life of death, they're going to kill them. But apparently they'll kill them more humanely, is their argument. I mean, it's a stupid argument. But no, oh, PETA, PETA's completely senseless about that. Have you heard about the about new PETA commercial campaign? No, it's this. Supposedly, um, they're going to feature a campaign in which Alicia Silverstone appears naked, talking about the benefits of a vegetarian diet. Is this true or are you making this up? how you look better naked. I swear to God, she's going to show up naked in, like, a, a campaign for PETA. To yeah, and, and the point of it is not clear, other than like PETA was able to land Alicia Silverstone and get her to be naked for them. Like we don't really know why, but it's part of some commercial campaign. <laughs> I'm sorry, Russ. <laughs> you don't really know why. Can you imagine in the boardroom of that discussion with the the five men who are making the decision? Oh yeah. And she wants like, a comeback or something? Is that ever? Oh nice. People will still want to look at our stuff it's with Alicia, Alicia Silverstone, Silverstone naked. Okay, but how do we relate this to being the ethical treatment of animals? Whatever. <laughs> Petting a camel. Who cares? <laughs> petting matter. a camel. She's naked. The camel's naked. She's naked. We'll make a connection. There's, there's. Everybody's the same. With someone singing my clothing. humps behind both of them. It makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh so, my! I thought that was exciting. Wow, that, that is, is exciting. exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised that any made mainstream <laughs> celebrity. I mean, I can't imagine I that. Was, I saw the crush, and I was hoping there'd be some deleted scenes. <laughs> Why did it like take so long to do something. this? It's true. But like, I, I, I wonder that any mainstream celebrity wants to be associated anymore with PETA because I mean, they've really turned a lot of people off. You know. Mm -hmm. Yes, not everyone knows. Well. But you know, Greg. Well, but I mean, like, some of the... No, because they were very... Uh, they, a lot of this came out with the whole Michael Vick thing, because they were very much out front on that. You know, speaking of organizations that, that people have been condemning recently, did you guys see this thing that the Senate... Now, I love this, right? Because we can't stop the Iraq war in the Senate. So instead, what the Senate decided to do was to condemn MoveOn.org, which is a liberal advocacy oh, yeah. group, for running an ad in which it called General Petraeus, who's the commander of the forces in Iraq, General Petraeus because he cooked the books basically on Bush's orders. And I was like, okay. Now, I don't know what I think about that either way. I mean, I think that, I, you know, Move On, I think, is a basically good organization. I don't agree with everything they do, but basically I think they're a good organization. And obviously, any rational person sees that Petraeus was cooking the books for Bush and that, you know, Bush is full of it. I mean, I think this should have been clear to everybody. You know, over the, most rational people realize how terrible this war is, right? And yet... Here's the Senate, which, and it wasn't that close. It was like 75 to 25 or something like that in favor of condemning this ad. I'm like, do you people have anything real to do? Right, you're going to go out and condemn an ad? Which I, is, I guess which they're is trying to agree on something. Speech. I don't know. I mean, you've you got to be kidding me. Like, what, and you know... Well, what is the deal with that? And actually, Obama, not only did he not vote against it, he abstained and said, I'm tired of this game playing. Can we please do something real, was the quote. I was like, well, that's good for you, Obama. I basically agree with that. But, I mean, can you can you believe this? Like, th this is now what we've descended to. We're going to, like, take votes against groups because yeah. we're like, we don't like you. The Congress is... A I don't understand why they would need joke. to waste a voting time on that. What does that mean that they condemn Both it? Sides, big joke. They just they did a resolution like Democrat, this is terrible. Majority, Wait, bad. So big joke. Why do we Republican care? Minority, big joke. So they wasted they how many hours of, of debate time and voting time to say we want to just let you guys know 
<laughs> that we think this ad we is, think bad. This is bad. Yeah, exactly. Because they're all afraid of their own shadows, and because they don't want anyone to just weak on this and weak on that. I would vouch for like maybe six. Well, this fairly was saying, the okay. These are probably decent six. people. This was the Senate, to be fair, not the House. But I mean, the, yeah. Put them all. I mean, there was outrage in the House too. This was all over the place. Everyone was condemning everything. Oh, patriot, amazing superhero guy. Oh wait, he's just a pawn. Hatchet man for Bush. Meanwhile, right. we haven't had anyone had condemn the th thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths in the Middle East in Iraq. That's not that. Let's not condemn that. Let's condemn uh, you know organization that you know puts an ad out. That's that's really important. I mean, really, what a what a what a joke. But I, I just I guess it reminded well, me of Greg, sort of like organizations here, you know. If we kill enough people in that part of the world, we're really ensuring that we'll have a whole new fossil fuel supply in like ten million <laughs> that's, years. That's a good point. But you need to engineer a lot of death first no, in the true. desert to do that. That's so definitely a good point. They know what they're doing. And I think that you know, know what, what this proves doing. is that a lot of these organizations are on the right track because they're clearly because apparently move on got this huge boost in funding right afterwards not unexpectedly because obviously people were like wow this is ridiculous so i think what we need to do i, I figured this out actually this is the, i call this the backlash theory and my theory is that since everyone backlashes against everything else right everyone just reacts to everything before we need someone to sit down and figure out what the end point of a backlash will get us to where we want to be. So if you want the war to end in Iraq, what events do you need to set into motion such that every recurrent backlash back and forth will eventually get you to the end of the war in Iraq? You see what I mean? It's like working right. backwards YouTube for video the result. featuring two Marines a dead <laughs> insurgent. Boom. End of war. No, but th th <laughs> oh, God. that's too close, though. That's that's too close. Oh, what is not that? enough steps. That's too not enough steps. You need more division. Then it has to be more like Russ, Russ. It has to be like a YouTube back video. Back and forth it, before it happens. It has to be a YouTube video okay. showing a person looking at a picture of a marine and saying, "I think," and like you know, then dropping the wrestling elbow on the photo of the marine. What? Like it needs to be something like that, and then it could slowly build up to that whole business. Because then the reaction is, "What do you mean? Why would you do that about a marine's picture?" And then it's like, "What do you mean? How dare you say that we can't criticize the marines?" And then it goes back and forth, you know. But you got to build up slowly. You can't just start okay. with like the default position of, All right. you know, a marine making a YouTube spoof of the Britney Spears performance <laughs> at the VMAs, and then exactly. everyone backlashes and they're like, "That's stupid." And then the army's like, "You can't do that." And then a whole brigade of troops responds by all doing it in like a big circle in the middle of like Baghdad, and then. All of the citizens freak out and backlash and want the U.S. troops out of there. And then more U.S. troops do it just to show that they're taking care of the country. We don't have to listen to the Baghdadi idiots. And then a decree by the parliament that we have to leave, followed by us uh, dissolving the current Iraqi government, followed by... Followed by, followed by, you, you forgot that Britney Spears has to go over herself and like yeah, shake they, hands with the troops that did this. Yeah. Britney Spears in, <laughs> yeah. right, to calm everybody down. Then the Senate condemns like restore peace in the area. Then the Senate condemns <laughs> the Iraqi civilization and also condemns Britney Spears herself. They're like, you know, we don't like. Britney well, isn't Spears. Britney Spears and Madonna two people on the um, two targets for? I don't know if it's Osama bin oh, Laden sure or targets. yeah, they're terrorist targets. Oh, they are. Yeah, because they're whores or the something. Recreation they would deprive us of if they killed Britney Spears. Oh, well, right. What the hell would this country called, do without Britney Spears? Like, didn't some guy awesome. call for their heads or something recently? Someone did a mini jihad on Britney Spears. Oh, That's know. awesome. Yeah. Oh, I think what that was was there was a huge another type of backlash because Madonna 
went to Israel and met the president yes. of Israel because she's like a new follower of the Kabbalah right. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of these Orthodox Jews who are all pissed off that like random people can now study Kabbalah when it was supposed to be for like only the highest, most revered students of Talmud could go study Kabbalah. But now any like star can go pick up a Kabbalah book and like talk about Judaism. They got all pissed off. So they backlash. They're very upset. See, that's what I mean. Apparently, like, Ashton Kutcher likes Kabbalah now. Like, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore, like, big Kabbalah followers. Do you think the Scientologists are expanding? Is that what they're doing here? What? It's crazy. It's like... It's like they're Hasidim, except they're like pop culture icons, <laughs> but they also wear like the leather strap around their arm like eight times and like all the crap, this like holy warrior armor that the Hasidim carry under <laughs> nice. their jackets like as they walk around. That's awesome. They just have all this crazy stuff. Can you imagine like a Hasidim doing battle with a demon? Like you just keep opening up pockets and be like, look, here's another trinket with eight <laughs> scrolls that I can read and like vent. And oh, wait, no, I have this leather strap wrapped around 13 times to symbolize the 13 tribes of Judea, which makes my arm glowing blue powerful laser force against demons oh wait i have eight yarmulkes on my head each one can be thrown with blades coming out of it that kill like yarmulkes. that's what they are they're just like walking what? holy warrior knights but because they just have so much crap that they carry around unnecessarily but this sounds like this sounds like you're talking only for the purpose of like vanquishing evil this sounds like a, i never heard like all this but it's just like, yeah, no, i was just gonna say it sounds like it's like a vampire like a werewolf hunter like you know and then my yarmulke awesome. and then you take that's, like his jacket and he flips around and his jacket's like you know are. wow that's sweet why has there been no action movie? why is you chuck norris see. not starring in this movie this is awesome clearly there should be a movie like you should all- you know if you ever see a Hasidic Jew go through, like, airport security, like, it takes, like, five hours because they have to, like, disassemble all of the shit that they're wearing. <laughs> they're, like, you think it's just a jacket and a shirt and a vest, but then it's, like, they have a talus and, like, books and scrolls and vials and straps and, like, knee pads. It's, like, crazy. I don't know why they... <laughs> knee pads. And then, like, the staff of, of righteousness that they, like, an extendo staff. I'm not kidding. They hide all kinds of crazy shit under their jacket. Well, then, I think, it, it, no, no, wait a minute, like wait a minute. piles and piles of Are you a- uber-religious, hyper-reactionary shit that's like... Or us. They just, like, the entire book of Leviticus is like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And, like, 19 chapters are like, wear this, wear this, put this on your head, dance around this. Craziness. <laughs> but Russ, are you really saying you don't understand why Ashton Kutcher would like this? Why would celebrities not? Why, I want to know why more of them aren't doing this. How yeah. cool is that? It's like, well, it's, since they don't care about any religions anyway, you're just like, look, in this religion, you get to carry all of this stuff and like yeah. pull it out and like fight people with it. People and can recognize like, that you're part of the game, and you can like you can like wreck stuff. After you know? the novelty wears off, it's uncomfortable, man. You know, it would be cool to go to work in a suit of armor every day until the <laughs> second day, and I'm like, goddamn. This I'm sweaty. <laughs> I don't need this. The second day, the first day, he'd be like, this is great, even though it's very hot. The second day, he'd yeah, be like, like, oh, awesome. He's got a helmet and full plate armor and a lance. And I'd be like, shit, this is, I can't even put this in my car. Why am I doing this? <laughs> but like, I mean, yeah. But I mean, like, that's, that's you know, I, I to me, I would think that you'd be all over this as a, as a principle. Like, first of all, it also, it doesn't have to be that uncomfortable, right? You could get designer versions of this, clearly. So they'd have portable yeah. versions, right? Yeah. Like portable yarmulkes and yarmulkes are pretty portable, portable anyway. yarmulkes. I guess they're pretty portable yeah, anyway. Yeah, you just... <laughs> <laughs> they're fairly portable as it is. But I mean, like, are you co- collapsible yarmulkes. yarmulkes. that drag your head on the floor? <laughs> Do you have to sit in place for 15 hours a day wearing your yarmulke? Well, no more. Now, portable yarmulkes. You can wear them anywhere. To the shul. 
Back home. Back to shul again. That's Collab- all you go. To shul and home. Collab- to the glad market. Back to shul. All right. To the glad Collapsible market. yarmulkes. How about that? Collapsible. Well, honey, yarmulkes, you, you, know? you fold them. What, what, what do you Not if you're going to use them for attack it's weapons. A little piece of cloth. You're telling me this piece yarmulke- of cloth is an attack weapon? Rust oh just said you could God. throw it at people. It's got blades and oh it's got all God, this stuff. Okay. You know? Are you sick of rigid, cured leather <laughs> yarmulkes that go on for days? <laughs> Try this. Made of cotton. Can be folded. And why? And used to attack foes. Amazing. What about that, huh? All this for 19.95 plus shipping and handling. True. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just silly. It is like a vampire hunter. Well, I think it's, it's silly. Like walk around all day with all of the shit that a vampire hunter carries around with him in case he sees a vampire. Like that's I think it's silly because that's all these see. all of these guys are spending more time on their outfit and their hair than I do on my outfit and hair. And it's true. It, yes, I just think that that's you ridiculous. Religiously mandated. But you can't kill people with the stuff in your outfit, honey. I'd like to point that out. But I just like, I, I mean, I you guess. You are not a holy warrior. I guess the concept is they don't do this. It's like they don't all dress the same to get rid of it being superficial and people focus. I, I guess that's not the reasoning. So the reasoning behind it is because. They're foes. They're killing foes. No. Foes. The Hasidic sect was not a rejection of individual fashions right. in like the first century. <laughs> right. Screw this. I like the you designer. You and your brand. crazy tunics. I screw your colored tunics. I'm sick of this shit. I'm going to make up a religion where everyone wears the same shit. And it's piled yeah. up. And it's the same. And there are rules and you can never change. Yeah. Same hair, same clothes. Yeah. Take that. But it is true, though, that when you no. you, you often you often wonder when you see different um, different Orthodox or different Hasidic you know Jewish sects and they have and the clothing, which is obviously the reason they wear particular forms of clothing, is that that's when the sect was originally formed. But you often wonder what happens when they get into discussions with each other, when they're like, no, no, see, the reason you wear the longer hat and the dark black coat is because that's the way it's supposed to be. And they're like, well, actually, the reason you have the braided hair and the extra, you know, the shoes that are a certain color, and that's because that's how it's supposed to be. Like, you would think that at some point someone would be like, look, let's be honest here, this is when we first came up with the idea, and that's basically why we wear the clothing that we do, right? I mean, you know, that's 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 mm-hmm. not fun. You know, there's never any intergroup discussion about, you know, why it is that the that the clothing is as different as it is. You know what I mean? And and why it's not just or appropriate. Maybe, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they were the earliest fashionistas, and it was like this was the cool click was the people with the this. Well, and actually, the and the thing. did you hear about the big fashion faux pas that happened? There was this uh, handbag designer in Great Britain, I guess. I'm sure that I did. Yeah. <laughs> You heard about the latest trend in fashion, Russ? Almost positive. Did not hear about this. Just wait, Lagrass. You never know. After your last viewing of Caligula. Do you remember? the answer to this question. Yeah. But right. uh, they... Was it about a starfish who started a network marketing scheme or something? Because that all fits. That I think I vaguely remember, although it's kind of hazy for some reason. And the horses charging in the meadow. No, uh, this this place actually yeah. had a bunch of... Um, they, they produce handbags. And so apparently um, they were selling these handbags in British stores and someone raised a fuss because... Because there were swastikas on the corners of the handbag. But the thing is, so everyone was like, oh, it's Nazi propaganda. And blah. I was like, okay, so the Nazis have decided they can't win the war, so they'll just start designing handbags. Okay, well, that's, you know, let that aside. Anyway, 
it turns out that actually it was designed originally by an Indian company, and the Indian company was using Hindu tradition, because right. in Hindu tradition, that's where the swastika... Swastika was adopted by the Nazis. They didn't come up with it. They right. adopted it from the Hindu tradition. The swastika originally meant, like, you know, peace and life and the sun in harmony with the water or, you know, something like that. And so there was... Then all of a sudden, this again is my backlash theory, everyone started backlashing against the backlash, oh, right. and they're like, wait a minute, Hindus versus Nazis, history. who will win, you know? So... I have the best counterattack to this story ever. Okay. What is it? Ready? Yeah. Another story was released this week for the first time ever that came out of some secret government archives from Great Britain that said that there was, in fact, a Nazi campaign to convert Indians under British-ruled India during World War II to fight for the Nazis, and that there were lots of converts in India who were ready to take over the English rule in India and fight in, like, Africa and the uh, South Asia really? for the Nazis. Huh. Damn. So, in fact, it was Nazi print bags and purses. Yeah! Did, uh, I need to ask a question. Did, did this work? No, no. It didn't. I mean, obviously, obviously nothing. That does rather undercut the theory. So there! Obviously they tried! I'm sure oh. there's some relics. Clearly there were relics. Yeah, of course there were relics. That we right, relics. No, the concept is, is they utilized an Indian symbol in order to recruit. It didn't mean that the symbol was intrinsically... Right. It wasn't Nazi. like it wasn't like the Indians were like, "Well, you found that one part of our culture that is really anti-Jew, so now we're going to join you and fight." Like it wasn't <laughs> like they like we found the key. It all starts with the swastika. You show it to them, and they become raving at. They become Mel Gibson. It's amazing. I don't understand no, how this right. happens. I had actually thought that it was like a Native American symbol or some kind of um, ancient tribal well, symbol. Well, it's also the it's also gr- there's that was there's the a lot of Chinese. That was the a lot Nazi of rest. Greek um, Greek oh. and Egyptian. Art also has that symbol. Oh, really? Yes, but sometimes, but it's it goes both ways. It's like switched. The, the angle of the um, yeah, the angle makes a difference. The apparently. Uh, the direction of the windmill, you know, it it, it goes both ways. Yeah. So basically, the Nazis just screwed this up. I mean, that's that's basically what this comes down to. Yeah, they, yes, took, they took this beautiful you know, symbol. They, they, you know, <laughs> killed millions of people for no reason, and they did terrible things to the world history. But what matters is, is that, that they, they destroyed this symbol, this symbol as really a possibility matters. for fashion history. Yes. And that's, that's really the tragedy yeah, here. it's true. Know? Wouldn't that have been great if the Nazi symbol was like a happy face with yes. a lollipop, <laughs> and like that became the symbol for all evil for the rest of time? I know we would. The Nazis used it. Like, God, it wasn't a picture of a dog, or 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 Russ. Well, no, it would be. They got it wasn't the NBA symbol, like Jerry West dribbling down the court. NBA screwed. <laughs> or like an emu. Oh my oh, God! Oh, we like, lucked that out. Report is the evilest shit well, ever. No, yeah, but that way we wouldn't have to have all of those stupid uh, smiley face icons. That's true. That's a good point. That's true. If. When we have the alien race take over the world, everyone will have a nice day <laughs> with lollipops. <laughs> yeah. They had a whole bunch that they designed. Baby on board. Baby on board for all of you. You'd get rid of that side. You just take these all out. Yeah, we should you know? We should go back in history and like give the just Nazis all the of Nazis these Nazis of having done it. We could get rid of it immediately. That's awesome. If yeah. you <laughs> all these crappy... Qu- just do it. Swoosh. 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 <laughs> that new uh, you could you could do this for everything. You could even do it for like you know songs and whatever. That new that new stupid iPod song. That have you seen that iPod one, commercial? One two three rest? four. One two three four. The Nazis back in it. Turns out the Nazis came up with the idea of one two three four, <laughs> and so you can no longer use that terminology sure anymore. Have. 
<laughs> oh, that's awesome. awesome. I see. This is dude. That would be a great use for a time machine. That's what You'd I just said. You wait for each annoying commercial campaign to come up, <laughs> and then go back in time, make the Nazis say it. <laughs> wait for it to happen again. Go back, make the Nazis say it, and you could cancel out every single campaign as it came up. Like. Well, what about this? You mean the Nazi symbol that said swoosh? Oh, crap, you're At right. some point in the future, they're like, boy, the Nazis did everything. That? How did the Nazis have time to do all this yeah. stuff? It's amazing. It's all in one speech. They had an excellent marketing campaign. <laughs> they really did. It's all in one big speech. It takes, it's like one five-minute speech, but he keeps changing sentences. He's like, and also baby on board. And, lo- and we love iPods. And no, one, two, three, four. And Bert and Ernie are bad. And we hate things. And he just like jumps from thing to thing. I'd like pasta. You mean Nazi uh, pasta? Oh, gosh darn it. My other car is a Nazi. <laughs> Shit. We can't do that either. Exactly. Because it's true. It's, it, you just bring up Nazi and everyone immediately freezes and hits right. the ground, you know, like yep. more or less. So that's mm-hmm. that's what happens. In fact, Clea, what would you think if they did this to Sudoku? And they said, you will do Sudoku puzzles for the Aryan race. Then you wouldn't be able to do Sudoku anymore. Right, I'd have to read like a newspaper. <laughs> You'd have to read. <laughs> read books for the Aryans. Oh, we can't read. I'd have to like actually read the rest of the newspaper Although, instead of just turning to the it's Sudoku. It's Sudoku section, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to be literate. Uh, the it's one not thing literacy, that it's that I don't like getting like, ink on my fingers. Yeah, yeah right. That doesn't happen. Okay. I would rather be ignorant than Fair. have ink on my fingers. Well, ink is a Nazi invention, now that's so. That's slogan I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be illiterate than have ink on my fingers. And the Nazis would have too. That's why they burned all the books, just because they didn't want to get ink on their hands. You will not have ink. Yeah, absolutely. We hate the schmutzy papers. <laughs> Burn them. Good times, good times. You were, you were saying, uh, Russ, before? You were, you were saying something about... I don't remember what I was... I lost. <laughs> it's gone. Something about not, Nazi something. Something about... Uh, yeah, something Nazi. Something. That's pretty funny. Um, bop, bop, bop. Um, nope. bop. Um, bop. Okay. Bop, bop. You will um. love Hanson. Yeah. Hanson, you will <laughs> love three little oh. white boys. Wow. Oh, the Nazis. Somehow that made me remember. That's crazy. Because you're in a dream, Russ. <laughs> Watch out for the horses. <laughs> Somehow that worked. <laughs> what I was going to say was the... Like, I don't know if this whole line of conversation works, because there is uh, an artist that's associated with the Nazis, um, the composer Strauss. So one of his pieces is called, like, the Nazi Waltz, because the Nazis just love well, the hell out of also Strauss. also Wagner. And they used to have dances to his music. Wagner, too, that was like that. That's yep. true, and some Wagner. But it's not like people don't play Strauss now. They're like, oh, you can't play Nazi Waltz. No, there's They sound like, like the British right, Explorer. So the Nazis appreciate no, 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 do, music. Do the British like Explorer. Do the British Explorer. That's ridiculous. This is an outrage. You can't play the Nazi from the Nazi era. Oh, we don't play this music. <laughs> <laughs> nice, and you have the backlashes thing. That's awesome. Oh. That's good stuff. Hey, uh... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So, we've reached an hour, but just before I sign off, I wanted to mention, because I had forgotten this for the last show, that we got a message from our listener, Chad, who wanted to say that he was sad to hear that Story is no longer part of the MEP crew, and he bid him farewell MEP style. MEP, 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 MEEP. Meep, MEP, M-I-P, which means MEP in peace. And apparently he's moved to Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, and he was missing our shows there, and now he's got internet, and he's very happy. I love that he says, scroll up, Greg. He says, about two or three months ago, I decided to move somewhere. Very much like Russ. <laughs> it all fits. <laughs> and he finishes with Viva La Map. So. You make the mental commitment. So thanks, Chad. 
and then the details work themselves Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And that's going to be the way things yes. will work with Russ as well, unless I the know. Nazis say no. That, that's what we'll, we'll go, after we uh, end here, that's what we'll be going into, Russ. We're gonna Russ, don't forget. The Nazis don't want you to live in L.A. The Nazis wanted you to live in L.A. <laughs> you will all live in L.A. and not move back to New York. Because Damn you. <laughs> you will do that all the time. Stupid time travelers, you ruin everything. <laughs> Stop making everything Nazi. Uh, so thanks. It took me three weeks to come up with that logo. <laughs> Fuckers. Thanks to everybody for listening. With we pre- really appreciate it. Please make sure that you double that you, uh, you send double? us email. That you double check. I was going to say I don't know what you double check, but um, please make sure that you get in contact with us in the many ways that you can. Send us email. Please leave us a voice message. We haven't had a voice message for a while from Jeff or anybody else. Call us at two zero six six. 100 MEP1. Please get in touch with us and um, remember that we love you and the Nazis (laughs) didn't. And that's an important thing. So (laughs) we'll see you guys next week. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. I'm loving it! (laughs) (laughs) No, no! McNuggets, 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 McNuggets. This is not German. You cannot have it your way. You cannot have it your way. McNuggets, what? McNuggets, McNuggets, what? Not your way. We love Lucy. We love Lucy. The proceeding was a presentation of the MEP Report, hosted at www.mepreport.com. All rights reserved. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron. Or at least not the stupid one of the cars. Please support the MEP Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for MEP link on the MEP Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at mepreport.com, and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu glands. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit gross. Just another day away